long spooky legends past, down through generations, to haunted locations that hold a ghostly past. Come one, come all, come blinders and seekers, hear the creepy side of Nipa. Welcome to the creepy side of Nipa. I am Dan Kozlowski. Hard to believe it's already the end of October. Here we are with the last episode of the creepy side of Nipa before Halloween. I'd like to thank everyone for listening. And also, if you are new or maybe you didn't get the chance yet, please like, subscribe, or follow the creepy side of Nipa on whichever podcast platform that you listen to us on. Joining us this evening is paranormal investigator Don Frank. Don comes to us from the Harrisburg area. Don, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, Don, I always ask our paranormal investigators when they come on to the show, what got you into the paranormal? Well, for me, it started way back, God, I, I believe when the, the shows first started coming out, uh, especially like Taps. Um, so we're probably talking early 2000s there. Yeah, somewhere around that time frame is when I had first had you know interest in actually physically doing it. Um, but I've always had interest in ghosts and supernatural things of that nature growing up as a kid. Uh, but once the shows came out, I saw they were doing it and I was like, huh, I was there's got, I wonder if there's something to that. So I actually went out and got myself a simple, cheap recorder. Uh, I Thankfully, I, you know, I live very close to the Gagsburg battlefield that's here. And I actually went there for my first time and had. I was near the uh, Triangle Field area where Devil's Den is, and I actually asked questions as far as is anyone here with me. And now, obviously, I didn't hear it at the time, but when I played it back later that day, uh, it's I hear a response telling me yes. So as, as soon as I heard that response, I was hooked. Like I I didn't even look look backwards. I, mean, I just kept going forwards, and I and I after that I was I kept going back to the battlefield multiple times trying to get more uh, more responses to things to try to uh, you know see if I could get things going on and uh, eventually it was uh, it got to the point where I was just I had enough of the battlefield and I wanted to you know branch out into homes people's homes and see if I can help them in any way I could of course yeah uh, yep and so that that's where it kind of branched from there so basically what I did, was a friend of mine had recommended me to start up a meetup group. And I realized that uh, when I went on there, I figured out that you could do these kind of things. I was like, oh, well, I wonder if other people have similar interest in that I do. So that's what I did. I started up the meetup group. And next thing I know, I had you know a bunch of people that had contacted me. And we would go out you know, once again to the, the battlefield because the homes were still not quite in our uh, – in our, you know, reach right at that moment so uh we were asked you know we basically did our thing at the, the battlefield and i and i had to have some people come and go as it went along but uh over time it started to turn into an actual group uh i personally had started a group before haps um and i had worked with another group then and that's how john and i first met uh him and i kind of i had him come on board my group and i noticed like from the beginning that John and I had similar interests and similar ways of doing things than the group I was with. Um, I wasn't happy with the way things were going in that particular group. So John and I decided to split, split up and uh, do our own thing. And, and, and 
here we are. I mean, we're still we're still going strong. And how many years is that now? About twenty, I think you said earlier. Roughly, yeah. It's just been been about about that time frame. Uh, him and I actually were able to by a lot of times word of mouth or even he knew people that we were able to get into actual homes. Uh, one particular home that we were lucky enough and actually was, I would say, our first investigation as HAPS with John and I was a case in Westminster, Maryland. Um, let me tell you, this place was extremely active, probably more active than we should have you know, had at, you know, getting started and everything. Um, but man, we got in there and I no sooner. You guys jumped in. right into the deep end, huh? Yeah, it did. That's basically <laughs> what it was. As soon as I got into this house, I was in that house for not even, I don't know, five or five minutes, 10 minutes. And all of a sudden I had a, I had a door actually slam and slam on me. Um, and I, I couldn't believe what happened. I had to go back out and tell John and, and John, you know, John didn't believe me at first because he thought it was, you know, maybe like a draft or something like that had happened. Sure, of uh, course. And I told him, which is understandable. When I told him, dude, I'm telling you, I was in there for a long time. There's no way that could have been a draft, you know. Um, so it went on for a while. And then we were getting other things. We were getting responses to knocks. Like we'd ask it to knock and it would knock, you know, give us a couple knocks. Or um, it was very smart. We had cameras we had you know at that time we only had like simple equipment we didn't have a whole lot and john had had uh four cameras and a dvr re- uh system that you know recorded everything and <clears throat> the one thing that it it did was it was very intelligent it knew exactly where these cameras were because we would put a camera one particular area and it wouldn't do anything now when we, as soon as we move that camera next thing you know like the cabinet door is opening by itself uh and of course the camera wasn't on. It's not like, great. So we decided to try to put the camera back on it again. Nothing. Um, multiple times we had, I couldn't tell you how many recordings EVPs we got out of there at that place. Uh, we've had a, we, I know there was a child up there. Well, a lot of times we were getting responses in the attic. They, they had the old pool type, uh, attic doorway. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. When you pull down from the ceiling there and the steps yep. come down. Yep. Yep. So I had gone up there and, you know, John's a pretty big guy. So he wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't able to go up there too much, but, and let me tell you, it's a creepy feeling, especially when you're first, first starting out in there and it's so dark up there. You can't even see your hand in front of your face. Um, and I had set up a, a motion detector. So if anything goes past it, it would basically chime, make noises. Okay. Yep. So as soon as I heard, I had, <laughs> I actually had tripped the sensor. It went off. And next thing I know, not at that particular time, but later on when I had listened to recordings, I actually got a female voice saying, help me, please help me. Now, I didn't hear it personally. I, like I said, I heard I heard something, but I had to send it to John. I said, John, hey, can you please help me figure out what this what she's saying? And, you know, he was able to clear it up a little bit with some software and we figured out that's what that's what she was. You know, she basically needed help. Um, and, you know, I also got a recording up there. Because we, we like to leave static recorders around. It's basically, you know, throughout the house. When you're not in the home, you see what kind of audio you might get. And then a lot of times you do get responses that way. Uh, one p- particular time I had the recorder up in the attic. And you could hear a child. It sounded like a child playing with wooden blocks. And basically what it said was mommy. Well. Um, yeah, it was 
it was really strange. Um, but that was really two things I could think of. Like even John and I had right below where those steps were, there's like a laundry area where they had their washer and dryer at one point. And that was a pretty active area. And we were just, you know, asking it to do things, knock on stuff. And you could hear like the bangs up in the attic. It would, it would knock back. Um, just, just things like that. It was, it was crazy. And then, uh, there's a back room, uh, in the, in the house where we went into where we were seeing like different type of like light anomalies, like, like small light anomalies around me. Um, we got a, uh, there's like a old shoe rack that was hanging on the door that was still there. And, and John kind of was getting a little aggressive with it and asking it, you know, to do something. And next thing you know, this shoe rack just lifted off up off the doorway and just bam, just kind of like smack back down. You know, of course it scared us pretty good, but <laughs> it would scare me too. <laughs> but it, it was amazing. You know, it was, uh, it was a very eerie house. If I had to tell you whether I would go back there today, I don't know. Um, cause John and I went to that house multiple times. The last time that we were there, we were only in that house for 15 minutes. Cause every time we go back to that house, it's, you get this eerie feeling like something was standing there with you and it didn't want, want you in there, mm-hmm. you know? And, and we were both kind of look talking to each other. We were afraid that maybe if we kept provoking and doing things and going there so much that it might hurt one of us, you know? So, um, so we decided to end it at that time, but yeah, it was a very, it was a phenomenal case. Now, was that a and, private home? I believe you said it was in Maryland, right? Yeah, it was a private home. It was someone that John had known, like a friend of the family, I believe it was. Okay. Um, and what had happened in the beginning was that they, basically the homeowner got smacked. She was nude and she got smacked. And as soon as that happened to her, they moved out and they just, basically told John, here's the key to the house. You guys can go and do what you want. There was no power in that house, no nothing, right? It was just sort of left there. They just they just left everything. I mean, well, of course, they took all their belongings, but sure. it was like the house was bare. But the weird thing about it, the first time we went in there was in, like, summer, and you'd think it'd be hot in that house. It was cold in there, which is extremely unusual. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't. Something you expect in maybe the spring or the winter, but not not in the summer when it had time to warm up. Exactly. So it was very weird. Um, now, yeah, do most of these people good. contact the group for help, or do you guys mostly find places through like research and stuff like that? Uh, well, some of the places that we went to was places that you know you either paid for to get in there, uh, you know, because as the paranormal. Uh, research was getting more popular. You know, TV shows were helping to do that. Mm-hmm. Places were opening up, you know, things for people to investigate more with. So that's where, you know, I would go into like uh, Eastern State Penitentiary and Fort Mifflin and and things of those those places. And uh, so we we'd able to get in there. And then over time, like word of mouth, like if we knew somebody that would. Uh, know somebody that had a paranormal activity we were able to get in there or we would try to get we make up our own little flyers and we'd hang them up in places and uh do it that way but uh and you'd be surprised you know we got a, not a whole lot but we got a few cases over the time time frame and then uh next thing you know as the years went by and there was one particular case that we were lucky very lucky to get into and it really uh, 
helped to get get us to where we are today. Um, and that was the the one the Dun Cannon investigation that we did. Uh, I had met a uh, a lady there that that I used to. There was a lady that I used to work with that uh, she knew she knew a girl that was having problems. Uh, it was affecting her family and her kids and everything. And and I really wanted to help her out, so I reached out to her and and uh, we were able to go in there and we we were there probably investigate that house for geez, I'd say close to a couple years. I mean, because we were there for a oh, while, wow. multiple times. That's quite a long time. Um, yeah, and. It was the first, believe it or not, the first time we went in this house, uh, we were able to get a disembodied voice out loud. Uh, we were sitting there in the kitchen area, and I had just asked, because one of the people that we knew that died in the house, her name was Sandra, and I had asked, I said, Sandra, if you're here with us, can you please let us know? And they had like an a refrigerator in there was so noisy. You could hear like the compressor back in there making a lot of noise. And it's almost like it used the refrigerator noise to, to help itself communicate. But as soon as I asked that, it said, yes, like a drawn out whispery. Yes. And it was female. And I looked at John and I said, John, did you just hear a yes? And he's like, yeah, I did. And I said, yeah, I said, that's crazy. Um, but that's kind of things, things that were happening there. I mean, we got footsteps in that house uh, I had another time where, you know how you go to investigate. So sometimes you go in a case and it may be pretty active. Other cases, it may just seem really dead. Sure. You know? yep. And, and I, there was one particular time I went in there and I was like, we weren't getting much. And I'm like, I wonder, I wonder if I like provoke it. You know what I mean? I was just like, I was like, come on. It's like, what are you going to be quiet all night and not do a damn thing? Right. <laughs> I said that. And all of a sudden you hear out in the, the kitchen, this voice that almost she came out and said, yeah, yeah. Like she, like she was really upset of what I, what I said. Yeah. Um, and in response both, to you there. Yeah. And him and I both were like, just couldn't shaking our heads. Couldn't believe what we just heard. But yeah, that's some of that stuff. And then I had, like I said, the footsteps were in there. We had multiple EVPs out of that house. And at some point the, um, producer from uh the animal planet the show the haunted okay yes they, i have heard of that one in the past yeah they reached out to us basically to john they said john do you know of any cases that involve animals you know paranormal wise that you would know of and, and that was the first case that we said absolutely because they have a dog there and a cat there that were affected as well so we went out and soon enough they got us got the, you know the crew there and I think they were filming for at least three days and we would go out. But the thing is that we didn't have any video evidence at the time. So not a whole lot anyhow. So we had to go back and get video for the show. And would you believe it? I mean, it had to be the, the most active night that we ever had. There. You guys locked out then that night. It was, it was crazy. You'd think it was a scripted or something. Um, <laughs> we went one particular time and we went upstairs because the upstairs there in the, in the one bedroom is really active. And we went up there and we had the dog with us. And, uh, you know, I had my recorder. I was recording you know, the group and John was asking questions. And I don't know, just I got this eerie feeling. You ever feel like you're, you're not alone, like something's staring at you? Yep, like something's watching over you. Exactly. Well, that's exactly how I felt. And it felt like it was standing right next to me. And as soon as I felt that feeling, the dog started growling in my direction. 
And as soon as that dog started growling, I knew it, that I wasn't losing it, that I was feeling that, that feeling. And, you know, we're all reacting to it. Next thing I know, I just, I got this almost like you stick your finger into a light socket, but not as intense. Get this electrical charge. I had it from, from my entire body. It was starting to concern me because I, I kind of like leaned over some, I was like, what is going on with me? And I knew this entity or whatever this ghost was affecting me. You know, it was targeting me at that time, but then it kind of worked itself around the group, you know, but they weren't feeling as intense. Like as, by the time it got to John, John started feeling like this cobweb type feeling on his head. And next thing you know, it kind of died down. Well, the dog was still kind of acting weird. And he, uh, he went out into the hallway after a while. Cause he didn't want to, he didn't want to be in there. And, uh, it kind of died down in the room. We're like, okay, well, maybe we should move on to the other other bedroom, which was across the hall. Well, as you go across the hall, go through the hallway to the other room, there's another small like library type room there on the, off to your left. As soon as I passed that doorway, let me tell you, I had a disembodied voice come out and just say, hey. Like it, <laughs> like it was I right knew, next to you, huh? I, I knew it was the same thing that had got me in that room because it waited until I had literally passed that entryway for it to do it. And we, and the good thing is we all heard it at the time. Um, so that whole experience there was just crazy. And then I know there was one time, uh, I, I think it was a different night that we were outside with uh, one producer and John and I both had seen this almost like a whitish figure. It, it was it's not like a person like you and I, it was, um, I don't know, kind of like a blobbish type thing. And it was moving so fast that by the time that John seen it in one area by a tree, I had seen it go halfway up the driveway to another house in just a blink of an eye. So it, it was really quick. And, uh, the producer was like wondering what was going on. We, we told her that we had seen this object and she just got in the car and left. Like it really freaked her out. <laughs> She don't have nothing to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> we actually had a guest on the show. I believe it was either last year or year before that was on one of the episodes of that very show you're speaking of. And okay. I believe it was a candle shop they own up in the Poconos. Yes. And it I was actually haunted by monkeys. Yes. I remember watching that. Yep. Yep. They were a guest on our show, I may say about two years ago now. Okay. And that was that was a very interesting story. There's, when you think ghost stories, you really don't think much have to do with animals. No, no, you don't. You don't realize how much they get. They are too and affected by this stuff. Yeah, exactly. So that show yeah. doesn't seem like something you would think about, but once you start watching it, it, it all makes sense. It does. It absolutely does. Um, you know, because they're they're open more to it. I think is not only with animals, you know, because either they're able, obviously, their hearing and everything else is more advanced than ours. Um, they're in that different <coughs> spectrum, and also with what they see you know they're in that they see a different light spectrum than we do mm -hmm. so as far as we know they could be seeing shadowy figures that our eyes can't visibly see at that particular time right so, something that's there that we just don't know about yep and the same thing if you notice with uh kids like when young young children are growing up you know they could be standing there in their crib or something talking to somebody somebody and, and you don't see anything you know and those are examples of stuff that you know, we as human beings could also possibly have those gifts too. It's just maybe over time they kind of die down as you grow up and you get older. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's something you just don't know. Yeah. How far does your group travel for doing investigations? Is it mostly the Harrisburg area, or you do most of Pennsylvania, or do you travel a little farther? Uh, we try to stay fairly close. I mean, we're probably within an hour or two drive normally with our investigations, but we have had cases out towards um, Pittsburgh area. Uh, we've gone as far as North Carolina, believe it or not. Oh, that's a little uh, bit of a trip. Yeah, we we don't do that so much anymore. There was one case that we did that with um you know, in our early days that, you know, it was, it was a, a decent case. We had some stuff going on in there, but it, to me, it just, it was a long drive. And yeah. It just, it's, it's too much for us. Have you done ever any in like the Northeastern part of the city like, or Northeastern part of the state, like the Scranton Wilkes-Barre area? Uh, I think we have had some cases there. I don't recall which ones cause they were, like I said, it's been a while. Right. Um, I have been to Philadelphia a few times, but they weren't like, homes so much they were uh you know like eastern state penitentiary or fort mifflin those areas in fact we're going back to fort mifflin here in the beginning of november anything so, happening there do you remember uh fort mifflin yes that was a uh every time we go back to fort mifflin man you always get different stuff there we've i know there was uh our last time that we were there we were there i think once again it would seem like the more active time because we went there and there was three of us that were in the commandant's house there asking questions. And uh, it, when you're there, the the airport is like literally right next door. So you're hearing these planes fly overhead and it gets really loud in there. Um, like closer to about, I guess, around one o'clock is when it dies down. But there was one particular time and early on where the plane flew overhead. And as soon as it flew overhead, all of a sudden you hear this scream like a female just scream like ah you know what i mean she just mm-hmm. like a banshee scream and i'm like we were like you know of course we were doing the f-bombs we we're like what was you know was that yep. and uh and we couldn't believe what we heard and uh it's like that was definitely a lady screaming well at that time i thought well maybe it's one of our members because there was other females there in the other room other building i thought well maybe one of our members just screamed she saw something whatever so we went back, took a break, and, and talked to them, and they said, no, we didn't scream. And you're like, we, you didn't hear that? Like, no, we didn't hear anything. Like, we couldn't believe that they couldn't hear it because it was so loud. To us, it was so loud. Um, but, yeah, we were the only three that heard it that night. That uh, is another strange thing with a lot of the disembodied voices and noises. Sometimes it sounds loud to you, but the person in the next room might not have heard anything. Exactly. And that, that happens quite a bit for us, you know. I've had multiple rear cases and John may hear something disembodied voice, you know, in a corner of a room somewhere and I didn't hear anything and I'm on the opposite side. Um, now that's happened to times where I would maybe be move, moving just at that time and, and I might have missed it. But um, but yeah, there was another time there at Fort Mifflin, too, that uh, I know we had that same night we went into the casemates. There's like a bunch of casemates where they held uh, Confederate soldiers back in the day. Um and we went in there and we were just asking our questions. And all of a sudden, I just it felt like just something threw, threw something right at my leg. And I'm like, what was that? You know, I told John to turn a flashlight on. I was like, couldn't believe what had happened. And believe it or not, here it was a battery. A battery had hit me in the leg. And I'm talking force where it was, it would have had to been thrown at me pretty hard. Okay. And I just, 
right away I'm blaming him because I'm like, there's no way that just happened. And I said, like, okay, John, stop, stop screwing around. Yeah, it isn't <laughs> like it just fell off a shelf or something. No, I'm like, stop screwing around. Hey, John, you did that, right? And he's like, what are you talking about? And I didn't do that. And I'm like, come on, you know. And eventually here realized that it was one of his batteries, but it was a battery that he had left over in the other building. So tell me oh. how, a, how a battery moved from the other building to where we were and hit me in the leg. Yeah, that sounds like quite the distance. It doesn't right. seem like it's not like it's in the room there with you guys. Exactly. To the point where it actually put a weld on my leg. So that's to show you how hard it hit. Well, um, yeah. And then I couldn't believe that. So we kind of we had left that casemate and went to a couple of casemates down. And we're sitting there for a while. And all of a sudden, once again, it just sounded like somebody took a rock and threw it up against the wooden door that was there. I'm like, especially I got to the point I was like, hey. Stop throwing stuff, you know. This is, you know, you get kind of worried that you're going to hit get hit by one of these things. Of course, you don't want to get hurt, right? So I'm like, I just asked it. I said, "Can you please stop throwing rocks, please?" <laughs> you know. Did it um, listen to you? <laughs> it, it must have listened because it didn't do anything <laughs> after that. Um, but it wasn't long after that we kind of like, all right, enough's enough. Let's go back to base camp and kind of chill out for a while. And we did that, but. Uh, I tell you, there was one other time that we were there. There's a case made 11. And this is Fort Mifflin still you're talking about? Yeah, still Fort Mifflin. They have what they call case made 11. And this was discovered, uh, by the, the caretaker that was there. He used to, you know, take care of the place and he was mowing the grass and the, and the lawnmower actually fell through a hole. And here they found out that it was actually another case made underground. So they dug this up. And now people can go in there. But when Jason and Grant first went in there, they had seen a figure or Grant had seen a you know face or something through the one window that's there. And they had asked a question about whether they're hungry or thirsty. And, and I'm, I'm pretty sure they had gotten a response back from it. So I was like, OK, so there, let's try this. Jason and Grant were able to do it. Let me see if I can do it. So John and I were down there and I just asked, I said, are you I believe I asked if you're you're hungry. And it, and of course, you didn't hear it at the time, but when you played the recording back, it says yes. So, and yeah, it's always amazing when they start responding to the questions they ask. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it is amazing. I mean, because you got to think about something. And, and I, and John and I, we have, we do our own podcast together. And I'm, I, him and I are always talking about it all the time. It's like, how are they able to do these things? You know, you have no physical body. Yeah, how how exactly. are you able to? to see us how are you able to touch things move things you know uh just hear things and and we know they can do all this which is crazy yeah it's really something you you just can't figure out it's something you really think about yeah this is stuff that's been driving us crazy for the last 20 years (laughs) it's something that keeps you guys going yeah because unfortunately we haven't got too much further than you know when him and i first started the only good good thing is the technology has advanced some enough to where you can if we're you know using video things are a lot clearer now the audio is cleared up better uh so that definitely helps um but him and i always talk about all the time it's like until we get some of that technology out there that can really be advanced enough to be able to see in a visual visual spectrum that they might be in you know, you would have to, you know, it's the only way you could do it or uh, try to get a recorder or some type of device that would be able to get more communication from it. Um, 
because right now you only get short answers. You only get yes, no, help yeah, me, maybe a get name, out, that kind of thing. Yep. So yeah, you never that, know what that, the future will bring. No, and that's where that's where we need to go in order to uh, you know move any move anything further with this this stuff. So hopefully one day. Now I know you were ta- you touched on it earlier, I believe, and I think John did too. Your group is a family member of Taps. It is. Yeah, actually, we were probably in the early when I think Taps first started doing that. We were one of the early members of the of their group. So, and any time that that Taps ha- gets a case, you know, it, basically in our area, and it's normally out towards Pittsburgh, uh, they'll reach out to us and say, "Hey, we got this case for you." Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Is it do they send you cases, or is it mostly like support? Is that how that works? Uh, they actually send us cases. Okay. Because the, the Taps has different family. Uh, tap family members that are around the country. So as they get cases that are in that particular state and near that group, they'll reach out to them and say, Hey, I got, you know, you know, Betty out here in uh, Pittsburgh that's having paranormal activity. Can you, can you, you know, reach out to her? And that, that's what we do. We'll call her and, you know, we'll schedule a date and a time and go out there. Um, do you guys get a lot that, of cases through taps or is it mostly on your own? I, we don't get a whole lot through them here and there. We have, I know we've had a one case that unfortunately I missed out on, but I'm hoping to get back in here next month. Uh, was out towards, uh, definitely out towards P- Pittsburgh area. Uh, I don't remember the town now, guys, but they had had a time where John and I, or John, yeah, John and Carl had gone out to this house and they went through the whole night and didn't get it. They thought they didn't get anything. And they were driving home. They drive four hours there and four hours back. And they're like talking about the whole night, how they just they couldn't believe they didn't get anything. And you know, I was like, this, this case sucked more or less, you know? Right. Yeah. And uh, here they started listening to recordings. And the, the one recording that Carl had got was something about, uh, I'm going to kill his kids. I said, believe I'm, John actually sent me that EVP, if I'm not mistaken. Did he? Okay. Yeah, because that, that's one of the ones where... So what I'm going to do is I'll actually drop it here in the show when I'm editing and let everyone okay. hear it for themselves. But yeah, go yeah. on. Okay, yeah, it just it it basically said to kill I'll kill his kids. Um there was a you know, of course the family there with their their 16-year-old daughter. She was having a lot of stuff affecting her up in the attic area cuz she slept up there. And John knows more about it than I do, but they were seeing like a she was kept seeing this this black figure uh in like I don't know like a a woman in black, more or less, mm-hmm. um, in this old type figure uh, outfit, and uh, she kept, you know, saying she was seeing things and having experiences that way. And the one time, I guess, after John and them had gotten that EVP, shortly after that, they had, you know, told the family members what they caught. Well, actually, John had held off on that because what had happened: the sixteen-year-old daughter had actually passed away. Wow. And they said she had died from uh, more or less a heart attack. So it affected John a lot. He thinks that he thinks that the entity did that to her. Yeah, I mean, that's quite the coincidence right after yeah. hearing that recording. Right, that it actually scared her to death, possibly, um, which can happen. 
but you know it's it really affects him and still to this day affects him badly because uh, I know they had went back there another time shortly after she had passed and they were they had a really active night that night I guess I think John was upstairs he went to the bathroom and uh, he was going to the bathroom all of a sudden he heard this something in his ear you know like really weird disembodied voice in his ear and it really scared scared him enough where he, he I don't think he even got his pants up quick enough and he ran out of that bathroom <laughs> <laughs> and outside the house and he just told the guys the guys are looking at him like uh where are you going and he's like oh gotta go out the car I'll be back <laughs> he's kind of like ran out there real quick and he didn't tell them till later on I think that night or the next day what had happened to him uh and it if you t- talk to him it still affects him to this day I mean it uh, well I definitely like believe that yeah, and then Carl even got at that same night. They were sitting there at the table asking questions, and Carl literally had a chair pulled out while he was in it, holding backwards. Now you're talking, Carl's at least close to two fifty or more, and you know to pull a human being on a chair like that—that's got to have some strength to him. If you think about it. Yeah, that's yeah for sure. So that's something else that you know it really makes you wonder. Um, but yeah, that was definitely another, another act. In fact, John was on, um, Ghost Nation with, uh, Jason on, on the TV show for that one. I actually met Jason Haas last month there. We had a, a paranormal conference up here in Scranton and I met him oh, there. did you? He seemed like a very nice guy. He is. I met him back, God, way, way back when I first started out in Eastern State Penitentiary. They were there and, um, uh, it was amazed by him because he was actually, I, I, you know, you don't know how these celebrities are sometimes if they're just going to ignore you or whatever. But of course. He came right up to me. I was using my old camcorder I had and it, you know, it was terrible. And he's like asking me what kind of camcorder it was. And I told him and, you know, he was just talking a little bit about it. And, you know, he just, he just, you know, was, was presenting himself and being nice. He wasn't like standoffish and didn't want anything to do with me. Mm-hmm. So, which was good. Now, one thing I was, a couple of the investigators in the past touched on this. Do you find like a a season or a time of year that most paranormal activity starts or seems to be more evident? Um, There's no proof to that. But I did tell John the other day, I said, dude, I said, isn't it weird how we just seem to get busier around Halloween? You know, around the fall time for some particular reason. And the only thing we could think of is because, you know, people, it's colder. People are in the house, houses more. Yeah, that's what one investigator was talking to me about and about a, a couple months ago. He said once it starts getting colder and people are spending more time indoors, it seems yep. to be when everything spikes a little bit. Exactly. And then that there's a pattern to that because obviously, you know, these you're in the house more, so it's able to do more to you. Um, and we don't know if it's trying to communicate in a way to – let you know that it's there if it wants you out of the house. Right. You know, it can, it or can go both ways. It could be happening when you're not even there and you just happen it, to notice now because you're in the house. Exactly. You know, it just basic thing that you might see all of a sudden, uh, you know, something move out of nowhere and, you know, you never witnessed that before. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's strange. Um, and, and we've, we've, we've tried to try to figure out maybe like moon phases or, uh, anything related to that. I'm kind of wondering with like now with the earth's rotation, that's kind of my new theory on the thing. Uh, you know, does, does it have anything to do with whether these spirits and stuff can do more things at a particular time frame? 
within the Earth's rotation that just you know, something has to line up just perfectly, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anything's you, possible. Yeah, because if you notice that things are so sporadic, you'll get <laughs> you'll get times where it, it, you're not getting anything, and then all of a sudden you'll get a response out of nowhere, and it's like, what? Why that particular time? You know, why didn't you do it like almost an hour or two ago? You know, were you not around? Or, or you know, it's the stuff like that. You just really it makes you think, and you want to try to figure it out, but it's almost impossible sometimes. Yep, that's just one of those things I don't think we'll ever figure out, or at least not anytime no. soon. No, we won't, unfortunately. Well, Don, I'd like to thank you for joining us this evening. You had some oh, very welcome. interesting stories. Thank you. Thank you for having me. If anyone wants any more information on your group or maybe they needed some advice of their own, is there any way to get in contact with you? Do you guys have a Facebook page or website? We do. It's uh, Harrisburg Area, excuse me, Harrisburg Area Paranormal Society.com. And that should be on our Facebook as well as uh, you know, online. So Okay. Thanks again for joining us. Oh you well, thank you. Have a good night. You too now. Right. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the creepy side of NEPA. As always, if you have an idea for an upcoming episode, maybe you have a story you would like to share. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is ghost at WNEP.com. Also, I hope everyone got a chance to listen to our sister podcast, now available wherever you listen to podcasts, The Creepy Side of America, where we explore some of the darker stories surrounding the United States. From everyone here at the creepy side of NEPA Studios, happy Halloween. I hope you enjoy the Halloween holiday. I will be back after Halloween. Until then, enjoy the creepy side of NEPA. This has been the creepy side of NEPA. If you have a spooky story that took place in northeastern or central Pennsylvania, send it to ghost at WNEP.com for your chance to share it on an upcoming episode. We're dying to hear from you. Ha 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 